This is Living Catholic with Father Don Wolf. Living Catholic is a fresh look at issues confronting each of us today. This show deals with living Catholic, what that means for Catholics, as well as the impact on the rest of society. You certainly don't have to be Catholic to enjoy this show. And now your host, Father Don Wolf. Welcome, Oklahoma, to Living Catholic. I'm Father Don Wolf, pastor of the Parish of Sacred Heart and rector of the Shrine of Blessed Stanley Rother. Did you see the ad that ran during the Super Bowl? You know, the one about Jesus that ran a couple of times. It was a series of stage photos of people washing the feet of others. There was a man washing the feet of a woman at a family planning clinic, a young woman washing the feet of a slatterly older woman in a kitchen where she was surrounded by whiskey bottles, a, a minister of some kind washing the feet of what looked to be a gender nonconforming man on a beach, and an all-American high school girl washing the feet of a skeptical kid with bright dyed spiked hairs, a suburban housewife washing the feet of a newly arrived Mexican woman, and on and on. All of it was striking. The images were compelling. Each picture told a story in itself, although the picture was on a screen for something like 10 seconds or less. And it ended with the message, Jesus didn't teach hate. He gets us, all of us. The ad was remarkable. The most remarkable, of course, thing about it being that it was broadcast during the Super Bowl. All of us expect clever ads and new approaches during this, the premier event on TV during the year. Milestone Advertising make its debut on this Sunday, the Super Bowl Sunday in February. It's all part of the tradition around that monumental event. But this was something unexpected. There was a commercial about Jesus broadcast to the whole country during this signal event of the year. It was something to behold, if for no other reason that it hadn't happened before. It's hard to know what to make of such a thing. After all, we do live at a time in which religion is under fire from most from most quarters. Having an advertisement concerning what we believe and to have it at such a moment which really takes something to get used to. It's all so new to us these days. Now, of course, we've all seen those Latter-day Saints commercials advertising family values, and we've been inundated with the ads about St. Jude's Children's Hospital. But those ads aren't really advertising Christianity as much as they're staking out a claim for their respective franchises. And the St. Jude's ad is overtly raising money as well, although the message they give, like the services they provide, really is inspirational. This Super Bowl ad, though, is something new. It's advertising a message of Jesus directly in prime time. Now, we Catholics can take some pride in our history with regard to prime time programming. We should remember and celebrate that we, only we, have had a religious program in that coveted time slot. That was Bishop Fulton Sheen's Life is Worth Living program. It had regular corporate sponsors and was part of the network lineup for more than a decade. You can still get some of the programs on YouTube and other outlets. These days, after all, there's no such thing as a program that's gone off the air. But nobody else has done what he did. Bishop Sheen was a pioneer in the new evangelization by reaching out across the airwaves to all of America with the message of Christ. Although we do have to admit he thought he was doing the old evangelization. But it was a high point for the life of Catholics in the U.S. and for the reach of the Catholic Church in our culture and society. This was no Super Bowl ad. It was something enormously successful. It's something we should be proud of. Now, the, the, 
the Super Bowl commercial was funded by the Green family from here in Oklahoma. They are, of course, the folks who founded and ran or run Hobby Lobby. They've been cornerstone contributors to initiatives all over the country and are well-known in evangelical circles. I don't know much about their political leanings, although it would be safe to presume they share them with those whose groups and activities they support. But in all corporations and amid all families, it's not easy to put everyone and every activity into the same category. Not knowing the Greens, we might safely presume they share the values of their environment, which we know as Oklahomans can be a somewhat broad spectrum. At least we know there is a name connected to the ad, and perhaps that's part of the drama of this moment. We actually know something about those who support what we're seeing. The other ads we saw broadcasting the Super Bowl don't have that association. Those ads are bought and paid for by faceless corporations whose values are broadcast everywhere at all time without one person ever pausing to ask or even to wonder at who might support such a thing and why. While it may seem like a dramatic decision to air such an ad at such a time, it makes perfect marketing sense. After all, the market is huge and everything, everyone is primed to watch the commercials, at least at the beginning of the game. And to the relief of all involved, it, this ad also aired during one of the most exciting and fast-paced games in football history. We were glued to our seats until the closing seconds of the overtime game. Nobody got more bang for their buck than those who spent their advertising money this year. Things could hardly have been scripted better. A revolutionary approach to advertising, the best game in history, and the undivided attention of 130 million people. Perhaps it was divine inspiration. The main message is that Jesus didn't teach hate. Now, it's a surprise to me to find out that some people are convinced that he did. But then again, I'm, almost, I'm often surprised at what some people believe about almost everything. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised at what is said about Jesus. Certainly, there are those out there who are convinced Jesus' followers are motivated by nothing but Whatever the background notion in the minds of those who saw it, the focus of the ad was to invite people to consider that Jesus might have had something to say about the situations in which we find ourselves, including the puzzling and fractured world we're in today. He gets us is the invitation to consider that Jesus and the message of Jesus includes us the way we are and the way the world is. And all in all, I can't quibble too much with the overall point. Jesus didn't teach people hate, and he does accompany us through the intricacies of our lives. Among those with whom he walked and taught and healed, he got them. I think it's safe to say he gets us. A good deal of criticism followed the ad, of course. It's interesting to track what's been said about it from all sides. Some people have insisted that the purpose of the ad was to get people talking. In this, it certainly has succeeded, although I imagine the idea was to get people talking about Jesus rather than talking about the ad. But I suppose a person might regionally progress from one to the other. This is one of the most interesting features of the ad. It's been criticized by Christians and non-Christians alike, and sometimes for the same reasons. For such a benign presentation of the faith, it's raised a lot of hackles of a lot of those who watched it. The non-religious criticism was pointed. Amanda Marcotte, writing in Slate, wants everyone to know that it's all a giant bait and switch. She's upset that such a message might cause people to think that Christians might not be as toxic and hateful as they really are. 
Watch this ad, she says, and you might think that Jesus' followers aren't the bigots that they've proved themselves to be. But watch out, she says, they really are as hate-filled and noxious as you've been led to believe. And now that this ad is out, they're also deceptive. Don't be a dupe, she writes. Christians do hate. Of course, it's a fine point. After all, we live at a time in which the world, in which the word hate has become quite refined. In our political world, if a concerned parent insists chemical castration of a minor child isn't true health care, he's often described as hateful or hate-filled. If a concerned citizen wonders about the efficacy of tens of thousands of unattached men a month crossing the border from all over the world, she's often accused of hate toward migrants. And if a woman quails at the expansive laws allowing abortion up to the moment of delivery, She's defined as a hateful traitor to her own sex. So hate is an elastic word. For Ms. Marcotte, if there is any communication hinting that Christians don't participate in the orgy of hate, then that communication is misleading. According to her, they're all lying. In fact, in her article, she goes on to explain the baleful results of giving in to what this ad tried to communicate. Jesus might love you, she says, but you better be careful. Because anyone who believes Jesus might love them and then goes on to explore what this means is going to come upon those people who think that people might not be defined by the geography of their sexual organs who might, or who might wonder at how much our climate emergency might cost. She even points out that the ad was funded in part by the Green family who, get this, didn't support all of the COVID measures imposed by the experts, which of course we now know were mostly made up and were at best counterproductive. But hey, if you're evil, you're evil, even if you happen to be right when just about everybody else was wrong. They're just the bad guys, she says. Stay away from what they finance. Mostly, she seems to be upset that there are those who are in need of saving. Washing feet seems to indicate that there are those whose situations put them on the outs in our world and need somehow to be connected to those who are already saved. She might not know it, but it's the fundamental postmodern critique of all religious faith. After all, there's nothing more upsetting than the unjust distribution of salvation. Religion exists to help those who are not yet saved. What could be more unfair than to presume there is a good possessed by some and not possessed by others, even when those who have it want to freely share it with those who don't? So all talk about religious efficacy is looped into the most unfair distribution in the world. Those who want real liberation want to do away with all religious talk that divides the world into those who have and those who don't. In such a world, washing feet as an act of discipleship is simply highlighting what one person has that another person doesn't. Stay away from the monstrous idea that there are those who might be in need of what God could do. If God were good, after all, there wouldn't be any people like that at all. Her vitriol is ecumenical. Christians are odious in her imagination, all the more so given that their message is that one might think of porn stars or addicts as those who in fact might need saving. Adding to the fun is the accusation of Ms. Amanda that the Greens are the evil big-money Torquemadas behind the nefarious right-wing cult exploding everywhere that wants to turn America back to the old days of, say, 2005, 
when drag queens didn't have access to kindergartners and the homeless didn't pitch their tents on highway green spaces. In her view, these awful people from a backward evangelical state, ours, just want to run riot over the freedom-loving Aquarians who gamble over the sidewalks of our great cities. With enough money, she says, they might actually fool some people into believing Christians do care. But of course, she assures us, they don't care. They're full of judgments and are bound to hook unsuspecting people into their schemes to restrict personal happiness and to limit human freedom. There's been some pushback from the faithful as well. Many people opined their dislike of the ad because it's too simple. All it shows, they say, is that Christians are those people trying to be nice. All those scenes are simply moments in which good people are being good to other people. And if that's it, then, well, they've missed the point. Jesus came to die for our sins, not to encourage us to be good to other people. Translating the life and death teaching of Jesus into the milk toast of good feelings about good intentions is to betray the heart of the message. In their view, there's nothing much to it. The vacuous message, Christians don't hate, hardly seems to be worth saying. That should be obvious to everyone. Apparently, those folks were writing and speaking before Ms. Marcotte published her piece. In their minds, it should have been more muscular. And while it was just 60 seconds, they wanted it to be more informational, something more comprehensive. I guess they wanted the tagline to be, we don't get him. Or maybe these people you see in the pictures, they don't quite get him exactly. The loudest complaint was that these vignettes were the apex of the soft soap Christianity that has innervated the liberal Protestants in our age. The critics complained that the ads encapsulated the message that the essence of Christianity is about being nice to people and nothing more. Be nice and you'll be a disciple. That's not the whole story, of course. They wanted the ad to say more. They wanted them to get to the level below service and onto commitment and encounter. Accusing the ad of liberal sensibilities is the funniest part of their criticisms. The Green family is not famous for its notorious liberal take on things. Accusing anyone whose business began and grew in Oklahoma, accusing them of being too liberal, would be, it would seem, a gigantic misappropriation of intentions. But look, if you don't like it, you don't. So why not dislike the folks who put it on? I don't know exactly what they wanted, as a matter of fact. The ad was 60 seconds. It's hard to go th to do a thorough catechesis in less time than it takes to recite the Nicene Creed. Besides, in our place and time, the first thing to accomplish is to get someone's attention. Corporations spend billions every year to capture the attention of the viewer. The quality of their products or the accomplishment of their researchers are as nothing compared to their ability to capture the attention of those who watch and then buy. Without the requisite attention, nothing results, at least as far as the corporations go. Why not start out with a compelling vignette of those who contrast the Christian desire to serve with those who need to be served? Is there a better way to make the point? I'm all ears. I did see another ad, this one on YouTube, that didn't make it to the Super Bowl Minute. It was simply a series of photographs of people who had been changed by their embrace of the faith. So for 30 seconds, photos of people came up and a description flashed underneath them. Former gang member, former drug addict, and so on. My favorite was a photo of a young couple 
with the woman holding a newborn, and it read, Former Porn Star. I presume it was the woman who was so described, but looking at the joy in both of their faces, it really didn't matter which of them it might have been. The tagline at the end of that said, Jesus saves us. It didn't cause me to like the first one less, but it did provide an interesting commentary on the previous one. But, you know, it didn't pop. It wasn't the kind of thing to capture your attention. It violated the first law of Super Bowl ads, which it was conventional. I can see why nobody invested in putting it in front of a 100 million people. By the way, there was another ad that played that same evening. It was the one where Mark Wahlberg and the guy who plays Jesus in The Chosen asked people to pray along with them. That was it. They asked people to pray and pause and then mentioned a website where people can pray together. Mark even made the sign of the cross. It was memorable, too. But no outrage was produced that I know of. I guess praying, as long as it doesn't lead anywhere, is all right with the guardians of the culture. A couple of actors, famous in their own right, pausing to ask for prayer wasn't flashy enough to garner much response. That, or they weren't connected to political themes directly enough to cause anyone to herniate over the weight of their message. We might all pause for a moment and meditate about the disparity. When it comes to signaling help for the poor or the mistaken or the murderous or the misconstrued, there seems to be an implied threat that menaces the left and the right. We ought to figure out what to make of that. And, of course, there was the complaint about the expense. They say it cost $19 million for those 60 seconds to run a couple of times. That's a lot of green to put down for a one-minute ad. What could have been provided for that kind of money is almost, all, uh, is almost beyond imagination, true. The education it could have bought or the food it could have provided or the shelter it might have made available, they're all considerations. In the world of need, anything extra is premium. But it was the Super Bowl, and those time slots come as expensive as anywhere else. It was guaranteed watching by those hundred million people. So not too bad, really, when you think about it. And... Of course, it's all a matter of perspective. Nobody thinks it's a bad investment for Doritos or Budweiser or Ford to drop that kind of cash on an ad or 10. For them, it's just careful marketing. And no one thinks for a moment about what it costs them or whether the ad was memorable or not. Such is how the world turns. No one is is upset or anxious about the course of the world or the state of the poor If a major corporation spends 10 times $19 million studying the shape of a potato chip or the addition of a chrome to a radiator guard, it's only if somebody decides to spend some real money in the name of religion or some such thing that we notice. Then suddenly everybody opines it's immoral to spend money except to feed the poor or to build a school. According to an ad or to an article in the New Yorker some years ago, in the 1990s, Dockers spent just about the just about the amount the Greens donated for this ad to determine where to put the pockets on their name brand khakis. There weren't any complaints then from caring hearts. There are no outrage from the advocates of the downtrodden that the hungry remain hungry and the ignorant stewed in their ignorance, because we all know that's just business. When looking at a wider point of view, to spend some money to present a perspective on Christ many people in the audience had never considered, why, that might not be such a scandalous idea, especially when the money comes from people who do have a record of providing for the care of the neediest.
My only real comment is to note that the vignettes were, oddly to say, quite socially acceptable. For all of the outrage they may have generated or the thinking that they may have prompted among the uninformed, they were pretty tame. Because transgenderism, abortion, addiction, immigration, poverty, these are all themes that we're used to talking about. These themes are highlighted as the places where Jesus gets us because they become the focus of the conversations going on all over the country. And I understand what sponsors wanted to communicate. They wanted us to look and to understand the story behind the scenery and then understand something about the message of Jesus to the, drown, to the downtrodden and to those on the margins. But we all know there are others in our world whose faces no one would put on a Super Bowl ad, even if they were talking about the Savior of the world being in our midst. A black man washing the feet of a white man at a rally where the Confederate flag was flying in the background? That image would never make it. Washing the feet of a right-to-life marcher amid the snows of a Washington, D.C. January? That wouldn't do. Or bending down to wash the feet of a policeman who is wearing a black armband to signal he was mourning the death of a brother officer? That probably wouldn't make it either. And I understand why. Because those images aren't congenial to the audience the ad is trying to reach. You can't put everything into 60 seconds. However, if they did want to garner a response, or a response everyone would react to, and present a message about Jesus that would not be forgotten for a while, some of those images interspersed with the others might have achieved it. But let's face it, they did it. It aired. Somebody's trying that's a lot more than most of us do. They're out there trying to make some kind of difference, which is all ads ever do. They're all a shot in the dark, whether they're peddling Jesus, Doritos, adult diapers, or Viagra. No one knows if they're going to work or not. I read an aphorism about the ad business that I really like. It's, I know that 50% of the money I spend on advertising goes to waste. I just don't know which 50%. Whoever put this ad together and were able to convince people to support them, they were trying. The Greens are worth billions. They can afford it. Besides, no one blinks an eye if a company decides to spend 10 times that to fix a widget or study a change in their product or puts on stupid and pointless commercials during the Super Bowl. I guess the fact that I'm trying to think about what to say about the ads is the best proof that they've done their job. There's something to talk about. Maybe it wasn't a waste of money. Were it up to me, I would have changed only one thing, and that is the tagline at the end. Given the vignettes and the stories behind each scene, I would have changed only this. It's a Catholic thought, but I, I believe the tagline at the end should be, Jesus has got us. We are his, after all. That is something to think about. Back in just a moment. Welcome to our final segment, Faith in Verse. We have a poem today called, If I Were to Know. If I were to know, whole the sum of my life's journey, in a moment's flash, gasp at its clever turnkey. I mean, see it all there, all where the great object of living is, as at the near-death moments, they say, amazed at what reveals this. Intricate adventure without censure, seeing every part and all whole, 
with every moment present, all resident in the days that do me enfold. Then finally know my all, my tug, my call, and the fullness of all my days to celebrate the joy I've been given that I've striven to enliven and inveigh. Seeing everything at one time, life sublime, lived in the goodness of God's graces, and know the divine could entwine the day's tendrils in my life in laces. That's If I Were to Know. In the weeks to come, I hope that we can together explore what it means to be living Catholic. Living Catholic is a production of Oklahoma Catholic Radio. To learn more, visit okcr.org.